clear for takeoff once again. Welcome to Jet Fuel, the Jets Discord podcast. As always, I am your party host, Joe Rivera. Along with me, as always, is my astute, educational, and incredibly handsome co-host. He is Jermaine Johnson's AARP representative, none other than Matt Szilard, a.k.a. King Sliz. Sliz, say hello, my friend. Hey, what's good? Good to be back. Sorry, sorry we missed a week. Thanks for all the lads that were asking and patient. And yeah. man, I, I don't know. After uh, after one of our own got blasted for his Jermaine Johnson comments and, and uh, the Joe Cav comments, I, I don't know <laughs> if we if we should be even putting that out there. <laughs> clearly, clearly, having a special teams play justifies a first round price tag on a on an edge player playing twenty five percent of snaps. But uh, hey, man, I didn't I didn't say that out loud. He's he's a redshirt player, you know. He's yeah. a twenty-four-year-old redshirt player. It is what it is. But uh, you know, we'll 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 cross that bridge next year when when they have other edge situations to figure out. We'll we'll see what what Jermaine Johnson really is. But all right, so Liz, we obviously missed a week um, after that Vikings game, which was a brutal, brutal loss. Tough to see Braxton Berrios. We didn't, obviously didn't have any thoughts on that game. Tough to see Braxton Berrios drop that pass in the end zone on a pass that could probably could have been better thrown. It is what it is. At the end of the day. Uh, any quick thoughts on the Vikings game before we really focus in on, on what happened versus the bills this past weekend? Yeah, man, I'm trying to even get my head wrapped around it. I think having, <laughs> having the week off was good in a sense where, and, and, you know, we're, we've said all along, we're big on context. And I, I think getting the extra game helps with the Mike white eval and right. in terms of what he is, what he isn't. And, and I, the bears game doesn't tell you much honestly mm-hmm. right it, it didn't tell you a lot there's a lot of open guys yet he, he, he moved the offense right and, we, and we've right. seen the ability to move the offense even the past couple of weeks but but both minnesota and buffalo really really slow starts some of that on him some of that not um uh, of course a lot of red zone woes um is probably the biggest takeaway from the vikings game and we'll, we'll probably get into that and play calling and and who who's at fault who's not at fault and kind of just the whole uh, the whole cloud surrounding the, the right. whole thing but it's like man against minnesota game right there for you where kirk cousins like <laughs> he looked he awful looked bad, like man. like ind- really independent i know we as a defense make other quarterbacks look bad but it's like he independently was just like awful right he, he was he was missing guys he was he was just flat out missing dudes man yeah and he had time he had time all game so, so. like a, a game if if things are kind of going how it feels like it's been going and we do end up missing, you know, certainly this Vikings game feels like one that you circled, like, man, we should have had that one right, right there with either of the new England games. Right. And really it comes down to red zone, red zone woes, uh, one of six on the day. And even that one was, was by a hair, right. A, a play where we really didn't, <laughs> didn't win the rep, but managed right. to get in despite that. Um, and, and honestly, you saw some of that translate a little bit to the Buffalo game too. So I'm not ready to say it's, it's a total sample, but uh, there's enough there where I'm asking a question. And if it continues against Detroit, they, there's a real dialogue to be had around red zone woes. Right. Um, and, and, and we'll touch on, oh, I, I have a lot of thoughts queued up on that and things that I observed and things then to, to look at as we get into next week. But, so, but that's so the big takeaway. Let's start right here so with the runway rundown, as we always do. This past weekend, loss versus the Bills. 
I don't want to say it was a brutal loss. It was. It felt like it. It wasn't even a game of missed opportunities. Like I didn't feel that way either. I think it's a matter of Michael Carter hold on to the football. It's a matter of I'm done seeing Joe Flacco, but we'll talk about Joe Flacco standing with this organization in a sec when we get to Zach Wilson and Mike White in the whole quarterback room situation, which we hope will be resolved on Wednesday. I think there's an obvious direction that they should go, and I don't think it's a direction that they will go, to be honest, but we'll see. But Sliz, your thoughts on the Bills game, tough loss, defense look I mean, how many times are we going to say it? Defense looked good, but lots of other stuff at play that went into another divisional loss. Yeah, I want to start with a small chimp take that he's got blasted on for or blasted. He's gotten a lot of blast for it over the mm. past year plus, right? And it's we don't about, like we don't like blasting on people. So yeah, it, it's about <laughs> football weather and real football weather, and mm. the Jets have had a lot of real football weather games this year going back yeah. to even week one oh, can against you, can you can you give me that one more time real really football like weather nice right? yeah and, and the jets have had a lot of those this year which which has probably helped us in in a number of cases but you look back to week one against baltimore in the rain you look to green bay in the rain you look to new england with that wind we had you look to even chicago in that kind of rain monsoon type thing yet and then what whatever the the sleet wintry mix crap that they mm-hmm. had up in buffalo and you saw it like visibly affect both teams right and and it, it didn't it didn't lead to an enjoyable viewing event it didn't lead no. to anything productive right and you saw just quarterbacks with the ball slipping out you saw throws sailing throws dying in the like the the first half it's hard to read too too much into it because that weather clearly affected both sides but at the end of the day we did absolutely nothing in the first half right which we got to do more than than zero than a goose egg um I guess that's the starting point in, in the second half. The, the ball got moving a little bit more still came up short on opportunities. Um, I, I don't even know where do you, where do you want to dive in? I, I know there's a lot between injuries between Garrett so, so Wilson the, being awesome, our offensive right. line, the quarterback, the defense, there, there's so, a whole lot to chew on. So one of my students in my semester just ended this past week is a big Jets fan, right? And and this kid came in, Nick Brinkerhoff. I love this kid. He came in, big Jets fan, and he hit me with the perfect take. The perfect take. Ooh. It's play calling is always the easiest thing to criticize. It is. Always the easiest thing to criticize. I might go off on a tangent here, Sliz, so I'm sorry if I do. But it's funny to me how Jets fans are always looking for a boogeyman. It was Zach Wilson, reasonably so. He didn't play well in the two games versus New England. They were 5-2 and two with him. Wins aren't a quarterback stat. I get it. Whatever. We move on. Mike White comes in, plays well versus the Bears. All of a sudden, everybody's looking for a boogeyman again because you drop games to Buffalo. Um, and, and now and you drop games to Minnesota. And now you say, now they're looking for the next boogeyman. And as we all predicted... As we all, as you predicted, you told me this weeks and weeks ago. What's going to happen is Zach's going to go out, Mike White's going to play semi well, and then fans are going to turn their ire towards someone else. And that turned out to be Michael Floor. There are certain people like George Orr who George Orr's never liked Michael Floor, and I'm a big George Orr guy. We'll get to George score in a bit. 
I can't criticize play calling when play calls win. When you see Braxton Berrios in the end zone versus Minnesota and he drops that pass, that play call wins. And now everybody's killing Michael Floor. You hear Garrett Wilson say after that New England game that the offense needs to put more trust in their wide receivers, right? In, into the wide receiver room. And I understand it's because they're playing behind, they're playing catch up. What happens the next two weeks? Mike White has 57 attempts versus Minnesota. Mike White has another 40, 44 attempts versus Buffalo. So now, the instead of the ire being you know passed around, it's all set on one guy again. Whether that's fair or unfair, I don't know. I'm just saying we need to stop trying to find the singular thing wrong when there is more than one thing wrong. And maybe that's that take is so lukewarm that it might be hot. Right. And I said it, this will never be a successful podcast because we're so damn reasonable. But I don't know, Sliz. For me, it's like I looked at the game on Sunday and I said to myself, this isn't a matter of play calling. This isn't a matter of it's just a matter of things weren't going in their direction. They'd, like they were trying to play a little bit conservative with the weather in the first half. I get it. Lots of throws short of the sticks. Lots of, you know, there were some missed reads by Mike White. Um, this all plays into it. I know people don't want to hear that, but that's just a fact of the matter. We don't have to find a boogeyman every time something goes wrong. So please, I'm begging everybody to just stop. Look at everything within context. There's a difference between reasoning and excuse. I've said it before. And I just think it's unfair to look at one guy and say, oh, well, Michael Force play calling is clearly the issue when it's not. And it hasn't been. It's a matter of execution. There's injuries. There's all that goes into it. So, all that said, I just wanted to get that off my chest. I think it's ridiculous that we're even at this point that, like we, like you called it, Sliz, it was a point of, you know, well, now Zach is gone. Now who's the next guy we're going to blame? And then after that, who's the next guy we're going to blame? Because this fan base is in love with Mike White right now. Absolutely in love with him. We'll get to why in a minute, but I just had to get that out there. I just had to get that. I don't know if that was a lot of information or a lot of nothing or or what, but it's a matter of we we just need to stop trying to find that guy to blame. We're just, we have to stop trying to scapegoat a guy every single week. Well, at the end of the day, and, and I agree with all that, right? At the end of the day, it, it's bits and pieces of both. And we we saw this, if you look at another team, with this whole Justin Herbert, Bozo dialogue, just like <laughs> the entire past like two, three weeks dialogue on Justin Herbert, right? And, and it's like, there's injury component, there's offensive line play component, there's wide receiver injuries, there's play calling, there's him just missing through. Like, it's everything, man. And it's, it's the same here too, right? right. Like, no no one one piece is at fault. They're, they are all, they all have a share of fault. And, and you look at that la- that play against Minnesota, right? That Berrios play. And, and, and people will question throwing, people this and that. I, I, it was a winning play call. You you look at that like frame by frame off the snap. Instantly, the play gets behind because Lakin Tomlinson loses off off the snap off the rep. Right, so Mike White has pressure in his face. Right, that's number one thing that goes bad. Number two, Barrios decides to change the route on the fly, which was good and bad. It was good in that he found an open spot inside. It was bad in that the design of the play, the route combination, which worked the safety bit on the Barrios route because he takes that inside instead of outside. It takes away the high load read for Mike white. And if you look Conklin standing wide open in the corner, right? Cause the safety bit on the underneath route. 
So that's number two. Number three, despite having time, and unlike he did against Buffalo, Mike White shied away from that pressure that wasn't that close. He throws fading away off the back foot, which we we grilled Zach for a lot too, yep. right? Absolutely. And, so, and as a result of that, he puts it behind a little behind Barrios, makes it a harder catch than it should have been. And then, of course, you get the drop, right? And so it's like all these components to make a play that we still could have made and should have made at the end of the day. But it, it wasn't just Barrios. How do you drop that? It wasn't Mike White why, or Michael Fleur. Why are we even calling a pass play there? It's like the play call one. And it wouldn't if Barrios went either way in my mind, right? You look at Harrison Smith, he bit on that underneath route with the corner. That that back corner of the end zone is totally vacated for a walk-in TD by the tight end, right? By Conklin. Right. So it's like that. I just wanted to use that as an example of yes, that's <laughs> that's what happened. And and I kind of laid out a cycle, right? Where in in the Discord football chat this week, and and maybe it's it's unpopular, but we as fans are always going to cling to the quarterback and look, look for faults outside of the quarterback. And and I don't want this to take you to take this as me putting Mike white on blast either. Right. But we did it with Sam. We did it with Zach and we're doing it already with Mike. We can, we can jump ahead of that and eval. We can eval Mike white as a starting quarterback now. Right. We don't need to pretend that he's just a backup outperforming his role because because that's what he is. But now it's okay. The, the dialogue's changed. He's in this role. We've given him the torch, and he needs to show he can do it for our decision making in the offseason moving forward. Right? Like right now, we're evaluating Mike White as potential quarterback of the future. Right? And and I and I want to cut in Sliss because you read my mind, and I just want to point out the conversation. Has that conversation has absolutely zero to do with Zach Wilson. Right. Period. It has nothing to do with Zach. Like you can, you could still be a believer in Zach Wilson and his talent, which, which admittedly I am, or you could also, you could just look at Mike White and say to yourself, all right, these, this is his opportunity to, to make a difference. This is opportunity to, to show up with the rest of the league, what he's capable of. So it's, it's really just a matter of, Okay, this is the this is the evaluation period for Mike White right now. This is it, and that has absolutely nothing to do with Zach Wilson. So, uh, I just want to get that out there. Go ahead. Yeah. So, I, th- I think while we're here, let, let's talk Mike White, like top to bottom. Yes. So I want to. I do want to say a lot good about Mike White. Mm-hmm. This is a different QB than we saw in the preseason, and yes. all of last year too. Right. Yes. Like he has grown and developed. And it's not just in terms of mental acumen. The types of throws he is making and delivering are much better. It's a different it's, level. Right. And and listen, people, it's it's one of those things where it's okay to change your opinion when you're presented with new information, right? And Sliz and I, we've said it before, Mike White was bad, and he was bad. Like, you watched the game that he played, and he was bad in the preseason, and he was inaccurate in the preseason. He's a different passer now, and it's fine to admit that. It's fine to admit that. Yeah, if, if Zach was healthy to start the year, Mike White probably starts on the practice squad. And I, I don't mm-hmm. think that's a hot take, no. <laughs> right? So Mike White, the the and the throws that really impress you, right? Looking back at Minnesota are kind of those deep outs to Garrett Wilson on the sideline. Um, obviously the Corey Davis throw. And then here this past week are probably those two 
um, those two out routes, which I, I always feel weird, like giving a, a, an NFL quarterback flowers for hitting an out route to the opposite opposite numbers because it's like man every quarterback should be able to do that in the nfl but he did it you know coming back after the ribs and it's something like we did not see him doing consistently before right yeah he's very inconsistent outside the numbers right so it is what it is where mike white shines right keeping the offense on script and he does he does get through reads i i think it's overplayed how well he gets through reads a little bit and we'll touch on that but if the first isn't there, he doesn't get stuck on it, right? He moves right. quickly, and and he'll get to the open guy. And depending on the team you're playing, like a team like Minnesota that was playing very much bend, don't break, um, a team that you can exploit the corners, exploit them in space. You know, certainly we saw that against Chicago. Um, get it, get into your guys' hands, let them make plays, right? And and that's a good thing. You you right. prefer that than holding it too long and and taking a sack or losing a whole rep, losing a down or, or, or not getting to an open guy at all. Right. So those are the biggest things. Obviously the toughness came through in spades in this game. Um, He's, he does navigate the pocket pretty well. I think in general within the pocket. Um, And I think that those are the biggest takeaways, right? Is, Hey, it looks like his arm or his verticality has improved. Um, certainly you're seeing the mental side in terms of getting off first read, getting to a second read, or at least the check down. And you're seeing good movement within the pocket. Um, and, and he's been decent, I think, on the RPO action in, in general, right? Yeah. I, I think the thing with White is, and you mentioned it, I don't see him going through reads often. I see him looking one and then checking down, looking one and then checking down pretty often. Now, I understand part of this offense is just the design is just, okay, we'll take the check down. If it's not there, um, you know, live to live to play another down, make the smart read. And I do think the majority of the time I have no issues with whites. I've had really had no issues with whites decision-making, right? He throws to open guys. He can find his check down. He can hit his check down after. And that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing at all. Right. There are also certain throws that he just doesn't see come open that, was very emblematic of what Zach was doing. And the, one of the first plays I, I sent the clip to you earlier today was, excuse me, was from the Bills game where Elijah Moore was coming open over the top on one of the first first throws of the game. And he was out, he was on a deep, deep corner route. And the safety was rolling over to the other side of the field. And he had more open by it. There was no one within 15 yards of him. And rather than look deep or throw with anticipation to, to Moore, he checked down underneath and he took you know, whatever it was, the five, 10 yard game. I don't, I don't remember, but listen, those are things that you hope that if he's going to be the guy moving forward, at least for the rest of the season, that he just continues to work through and learns. And we've seen progress with him overall. And that's a good thing. Like in the Minnesota game, he was thrown behind guys. All a of lot. The, like a lot, a lot in the Minnesota like, game, a lot, a lot, a lot. And I'll say this. And I, I said it of Zach too. And, and, you know, keep in fairness, right. That, that Mike way interception, Bad throw that's unlucky to end in an interception, right? And, and and there's a lot of those. And and we talked 
weeks ago, right? Every quarterback makes bad throws. It's right. when they happen. Right. <laughs> you don't want them having happening on clutch downs, which I believe that was the third down. So unfortunately, that's where a lot of, especially in that Minnesota game where he had three, four balls behind wide receivers. A lot of that happened on money downs, which mm-hmm. that, that, that makes it tough. But yeah. the, this Buffalo game, I think he did adjust a little bit better on that. A lot fewer balls behind. Right. So um, you give them some flowers there. Um, that that play that you you highlighted, I think, is an important one because it shows, uh, and I'm going to call it an area for growth um, mm-hmm. with Mike White, and and it's true of any young quarterback, and and Mike White's weird because he's he's definitely still young, but he he's in year four, and we have to make a decision on him in the off season, right? So, shout out to having the A team broadcast broadcast crew, right? Having Tony Romo and Tony Romo keyed in on it perfectly on the broadcast, right? Where he highlighted this play and, and highlighted how what white just didn't hold it long enough. And, and he, he rash, he reasoned through why that happened. Right. If you look at the play that the bills come out showing too high safety, look, you expect, you expect a too high shell that if that's the pre-snap look, Mike White saying, okay, I don't have that corner out. I have a primary underneath. That's not open. I go with my check down, right? And you hope the check down makes a guy miss, and then he chews up that space that they're vacating by having those two guys high. Instantly in the post-snap, they rotate out, right? They bring the the far side safety down until like a cover three buzz, and then they rotate the safety high um, middle, and he was he was fading to the other side of the field, right? So that's where that that pre-snap versus post-snap um, identification and read comes into play, and that's where that's where the top top tier quarterbacks really make you pay, right? And and the frustrating thing about that play is not that he didn't read it necessarily, but the fact that he had so much time, he could have worked to it, right? right. And and he he takes the profit quickly which is fine but it's like man you had a clean pocket you could have stepped up you could have kept searching and and that's probably the biggest downside you see to white and and i'm going to compare him to wilson only in terms of what we've seen in terms of how they play the position not just not zach as a prospect or a quarterback or anything at this juncture other than what they can do And, and really i'm talking about what they can do with their legs. Right. And you see kind of the the difference, right, where San Francisco has had Jimmy G. And, and I'm going to say this right now, too. I think Mike White has shown enough where I don't think I want Jimmy G at all, which maybe that's bold, but I, I, th- I would rather keep Mike White at probably a lower cost than go chase Jimmy G to get essentially what we're getting right now with maybe right. a little more consistency. Mm-hmm. But but what I what I mean by that is and you see San Fran, they, they went up despite having Jimmy G and, and going after Trey Lance. Right. You see some of these teams, you see you saw the Kansas City Chiefs when they had Alex Smith and they were they were playoff perennials at that point. You saw them go out and get a Patrick Mahomes because they needed that extra dynamic. And, and there's an arm talent factor there but there's a creating off script or out of the pocket um, right. factor slash element that we have seen Zach do, but, but Mike white, I don't want to say he's incapable. Cause I don't think that's fair, but 
he does not work outside the pocket, lads. Like he does, he just doesn't. Let's be, <laughs> and that's let's fine, be, but right. he just doesn't. Let's be fair, Sliz. I mean, this is why we said the last episode that we did that if you're looking at quarterbacks in the room at, at this point, and you say to yourself, "All right, who gives you just from a tools perspective the best opportunity to win a game?" That's why I said, and I think you agreed with me too, that like Zach is the guy who gives you the best opportunity now because of what he can do, because of his arm talent, because of his ability to make a play outside of the pocket, to extend a play. And I know that a lot of that extending the play stuff went haywire with him this season, and that's a big reason of why he's benched. But those are things that he offers this offense that Mike White doesn't. That said, they're comfortable with Mike White playing the game primarily from the pocket right now maybe on a bootleg, but we've seen that he can't, he doesn't extend outside the pocket and make plays down the field like that. That's just not his game. He's yeah. he's not, he's a slightly more mobile Flacco in that sense. Like he's not going to be a statue like Flacco is in the pocket because he manipulates the pocket much better at this point in his career than Flacco does. But if you're asking him to, in our bootleg game this year, all year has been trash. And the, the sack that, that white took that drove him back like 15 yards in this game, it was on a it was on a bootleg and Tyler Conklin like whiffed on the block. So that's not as much on on White, but there are moments like that where you say to yourself, "Well, a slightly more mobile quarterback with a little bit more elusiveness, evasiveness, probably puts you in a better position than White does." So, um, yeah, it's one of like yeah. you said, so it's just not his game. It's just not his game. Yeah, and I only say that because a play like that, that's where you want that delta. That's where a Pat Mahomes stretches out the play a little bit and then finds that guy open right because right? he realizes hey there's an extra dude down here where'd that other guy go oh that other guy rolled out now i got elijah moore on the corner right. and, and he's throwing up a you know weird arm angle type flick over the defense right right but that that's that's really why i bring it up and i want to tie it to an important point which is play calling and I guess I wasn't thinking I'd get into this point so early in the discussion, but but since we're here, play calling, play calling, play calling. Michael Fleur is getting a lot of flack. Some of it deserved. Think to your point, a lot of it, people looking for a scapegoat. And you you have to consider a few things. We've made a major QB change, and I think we've laid out, I think, the biggest stylistic difference is the quarterback's legs. So I went back here the other day, yesterday, and watched the Zach Wilson-Buffalo game. And I, I, I used the next-gen stats chart to compare. I, I brought that up on here, compare the, the, the Mike White bears game to the zach wilson bills game and the passing charts look pretty similar right and if you watch them they look pretty similar zach has some bad throws mike white has some bad throws largely it's hey, short intermediate type stuff and let guys work right the big difference that you saw in those in in what we saw with white the past two weeks in buffalo and minnesota and what you saw with zach is some of the play call types and you you alluded to pa rollouts there's also a dynamic and especially down in the red zone we we had two touchdown scoring drives against buffalo with zach both of those drives he made plays with his legs or at least threatened with his legs we had a run play i think what it was the the touchdown play that touchdown run play the first touchdown we scored against buffalo with zach where 
he ran essentially a read option and held the outside guy, right? So that's something we can't do in this current package. We had, um, and then we ran it later too when we were down at the red zone and Zach actually kept it, picked up about eight yards and got us down near the two, right? So there's that element of being able to use his legs, not only as a runner, but also to stretch out a play, do a naked bootleg, do those sorts of things. And then you stress that guy that gets stuck in no man's land. Do I stay with my, <laughs> do I stay with my receiver or do I close the gap? Right. And, and I, I think when you look at going one and six in the red zone, I, the offensive line was a big culprit where they were getting pushed back that George Fant had the penalty um, a lot of there's a lot of context around why we failed that was um, we also went I think Rich Samini tweeted out we went sub 500 completion percentage I think in the red zone right so we weren't completing anything people were asking why are we doing all these gadget plays to bury us it's because we're not winning elsewhere and that's how th- this offense has always done gadget plays to bury us in the red zone right. we always have people didn't complain last year when it was working Right. Right. They didn't complain earlier in the year when it was working right. just now because they think Barrios is somehow getting in the way of might wakes succeeding. Right. And so there's a little bit of that when you look at this bills game and then you, you see that the backside slant to Barrios, it's like, man, why is Barrios even in there? Why? It's like, guys, we came out of the two minute warning. He's part of that package. Corey Davis is hurt. Right. They clearly gave up on relying on Mims because this dude cannot use his hands to catch a football at all, right? And he didn't all game. He body catched everything. Um, we're coming out of the two minute and we're running hurry up. That means you can't run, you can't substitute. So Barrios is on the backside of the play, and Tony Romo drew up a perfect route combination that I wish we ran. Um, you know, you're getting a play call in quick. I don't know if it was a pre-snap read or what. You see Mike White hitch on it before he throws. If he gets it out immediately, we, we probably actually make that play. He he holds it an extra hitch, and that gives the safety or the linebacker, I forget who, who got there, gives him time to blow it up, right? So, like, there's a lot of context co- context to that other than, oh, it was a bad play call wise Barrios there. He's on the field because of hurry up. It's probably a bad pre-snap read. It's probably a little bit bad, bad play call because I don't know. Like, if you watch it, I don't even know what Elijah Moore is doing. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if we actually had a true route combination called on the other side, which you would have expected a two-man game with Elijah and Garrett. But then you also see Mike White. Look, I assumed to Tyler Conklin first, and he's just blanketed. And then because he's blanketed, he gets to the second read, but it's a beat too late for that short of a slant, right? Right. Like, there's a whole heck of a lot there. And in, in bringing it back to the original point, the play calling, we took out a chunk of the book there, right? Moving from Zach to Mike. And you could argue maybe we've added some to the book with Mike and the consistency, right? Right. We also took out a major chunk of the book with both the Brees Hall and the Michael Carter injuries, right? Where we mm-hmm. took out that pretty much that entire pony package. We haven't seen it. And, and yeah. Small Chimp had some tweets out about how Basically, we went from leading the league in two running back packages to near bottom of the league now in in the past couple weeks with those injuries. So we've had to make major adjustments just based on personnel, the most of which is obviously the quarterback, but then losing pieces and inconsistent play along the offensive line. We can't pull guards 
like we did before with AVT out. Um, there, there's a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just wanted to paint the whole picture here. You know, the whole Justin Herbert situation isn't a single person's fault. This is the same thing. It's right. not all just on the play caller. I know it's everyone wants to blame someone when things don't go right, but it's an execution thing on all levels. It's almost as if Slez football is a team game, as they say, right? Nope. I mean, listen, it's when when a guy plays poorly, like Zach played poorly, like it's easy to point and say, all right, well, and we said before on this very podcast, there's more happening with Zach there than just he was bad, right? The the locker room is clearly on the edge of mutiny. And if he started another game, Garrett Wilson might have strangled Robert Sala himself. So um, there, there's a lot going on there. So listen, ultimately, when it's all said and done, and I don't think this isn't a stretch, this is my, I guess my hottest take of the podcast, you will not see Zach Wilson on the field again in 2022. I don't think if, if, I would almost be surprised if he's named QB2 behind White this weekend, to be honest. And that's with blockhead Joe Flacco out there, right? Like disinterested, bored, clearly like just don't have it anymore, Joe Flacco out there. So I, w- I would really be surprised because I feel like everything that Salah said, this team is there. They've clearly ra- rallied behind White and his toughness, you know, White says all the things that get the football diehards hot and bothered, you know, like you'd have to peel me off the field, like, you know, and and you respect that. That's fine, whatever. But that's that's all for show. That means nothing to me. Right. I I said the same thing when Joe Judge got the job with the Giants. It's like they say they they have these cliches that like, oh, man, this 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 is great for Joe Beningo or this is great for WFAN. Like they get all excited over this stuff, but ultimately it means nothing. Right. So. Uh, this is White's football team right now, period. And and you won't see Zach the rest of the season because if White goes out there and he lays an absolute egg against the Lions, what are you going to do? You're going to go on a short week back to Wilson? Like, no, you're not doing no. that. Um, and then if White goes out there and, and has a bad game versus the Jaguars, are you giving Wilson the extra reps with two games left in the season and say to yourself, all right, go, go try and win us a playoff spot. They're absolutely not doing that either. So this is, this is Mike White's this period, like for better or worse, for better or worse. And I'm very much in doomer mode right now and saying that I don't think they're winning another game the rest of the season, to be honest. That is, I just, that I is hot. I'm not, I know. I, I thought I just I thought I was pessimistic expecting no. two and two the rest of the way, man. No, <laughs> no, I don't see it. I really don't. Even with this defense, I just don't see it right now. But for better or worse, this is Mike White's team. He has the keys and he's going to have to lead them to some wins the rest of the season. He's going to have to make the plays to put them in position to win because for however good he's been, for however decent he's been, I should say, for however average he's been, I mean, look at the PFF grades, look at the tape, you know, hashtag watch the tape. How often do we say it? I haven't seen, I mean, tight window throws in the Vikings game, but he, has he made the plays that's to say to yourself, all right, well, this guy can go out and win you a game? Like, I haven't I haven't seen it yet. I mean, he's made some, the, the throwing with anticipation still needs work. The, um, Seeing seeing open receivers taking the extra second to see an open guy or extra half second to see an open guy, that hasn't been there. So listen, like I said, for better or worse, this is White's team. And and we'll see what it did what happens the rest of the season. But one thing is certain, barring Joe Flacco getting the plague 
even Chris Shrevler blowing up, you know, and I, I don't think you see Wilson the rest of the season. I just, the timetable is too short and the guy that locker room loves him way too much to see that change. Yeah. I'm, and, and you've seen, you've seen the locker room, even after two losses, like they, they're fully bought into Mike White. Right. And right. That, that's, that's those volumes, not only about Mike, but those volumes about Zach too. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, it like, I don't want people to get it wrong. Like if Mike White develops and he can grow and and be the guy, like I, I'm all for that, but right. I I I don't think we need to fool ourselves either in thinking like okay, is Jimmy G his ceiling? Probably, right? right? And then is that good enough with our roster constraints to take that step, which I don't know, right? I I think we, we shouldn't be so caught enamored in, in the moment to turn a blind eye to the shortcomings and how it's affecting the the pieces around it, right? It's affecting the play calling and, and our run game in general, right? We're able to do less off the run game. Um, but he's also doing a lot like Garrett's feasting, right? Right. We're, we're hitting a lot of those slants which gets the sticks moving. We're able to see more components of the offense. Um, and, and j- like that Vikings game was good, but man, it when, when you had, when you have a productive game, a, a productive half <laughs> <laughs> against a bad def like bottom, bottom five pass defense. Right. Yeah. But then you don't score. It just, it, it leaves you wanting more and, and, but Buffalo, obviously big step up in competition. And, and I think we, we did see a little bit more. It sucks that the weather's so bad that you really don't get a true eval. Um, Detroit's another bad, bad defense, right? Like, I don't know that we're truly going to get a, a real test on what, what we're getting. Maybe, maybe Jacksonville and, um, in Seattle are, are a little bit of a step up, especially on the outside, but um, I don't know. And in, in general, and you know, I said it when, when the switch happened, or I think I even said it before the switch, I think I said out coming out of the bye, like we're, we're ahead of schedule regardless of what happens, even with quarterback questions. I think we're ahead of schedule. Let's see where the pieces fall. Let's enjoy as much of it as we can. And, and we go from here. Right. What, what- Go ahead. What Mike, what Mike White has done has played himself into an opportunity to win the quarterback job outright next year. Yeah. Oh, for that's sure. What, that's what. That's what. Maybe Mike even White be has the done. front runner, right? Right. Probably the, exactly. Probably, as we sit today, the front runner. Right. And and the thing is, like, unless and, and this is again, this is all speculative, right? Because this is neither here nor there. But judging by the actions of the team and the attitude of the team. White would probably win the job because they clearly hate Zach unless there's a complete 180 in Zach, whatever is happening behind closed doors, right? Whether that's learning the playbook, being a better team, I don't I just don't know. So um that that's what White has done. And and again, if his ceiling is Jimmy Garoppolo, that's what Jets fans have been asking for, right? <laughs> Pretty much is is Jimmy Garoppolo, that might be good enough for you next year. So who knows, man? Uh, it's not good enough for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I don't know, and th- and that's and I'll say we'll we'll talk to that in detail in the off season, right? Where 
just quarterback philosophy and what are you comfortable with or not right that i think it was it was the andy dalton line for forever i know kirk cousins has been kind of the recent maybe version of that line and and is that enough um yeah man (laughs) we'll we'll see where it goes i i I hope i hope he continues to build and and i think we did see right like mike white standing in that pocket and delivering strikes that was clearly something that they saw against minnesota that he made an effort to change of course it resulted in him getting absolutely blasted multiple times Mm -hmm. right and and i do want to i want to take a pause kind of off mike white so i there's been a lot of blame on the offensive line and it, it wasn't good, but it's also like that Milano hit like th- this whole game was a schematic chess match. And Leslie Frazier has been excellent all year. McDermott's good, right? Like, and, and Milano's good. We're seeing the difference that he made in this game versus the first game we made him. Right. Like they won that schematically that rep. No one failed their assignment. They just won schematically. We called a back to the field PA. You had Michael Carter come. They brought an extra guy. Milano's sitting there and he's reading and he's like, I have a window. I'm I'm gonna go smoke this guy. We mm-hmm. didn't run anything short. We didn't run anything hot. We just lost the play call. And that happens, right? That that that's not we don't have to chastise Mill for that, right? Michael Fur mm-hmm. for that. Like it it you're playing against an opponent. We lose sight of that sometimes. You're, you're not, not going to win every play call. You're not going to win every call. You're not going to win every rep. Sometimes you're going to call a play, and they're going to have the perfect counter, right? And and vice versa. Sometimes we're going to call a play against their defense, and it's like, oh man, we got we got them here, right? We got, and we've seen that throughout the mm-hmm. year where we've just cooked we've cooked teams on on certain play calls, right? So, but I I think a lot's being made of our offensive line, and don't get me wrong, I don't think it's good. I Mike, Re- people are getting all over Joe Flacco. Mike, Mike Remmers is the real dude that should be on blast for that. He got dog walked. The d- he, he got dog walked, man. Dude, he didn't even kick slide. This dude was straight up backpedaling, then gets swiped across his face. <laughs> like, man, yeah. Hopefully, we never have to see Remmers touch the field again, man. Our 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 offensive tackle position continues to be a, a rotating door of of buffoons at this point, but. <laughs> Like we, 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 we need, we need to figure out something, but the, the offensive line largely over the past couple of weeks has given us opportunity to make plays. And a lot of that, some of that's attributed to white getting the ball right. out quick, right? That sure. helps your offensive line. But we've also seen at times failure to be able to run the ball. You know, we saw that a lot in Minnesota where we were getting hit behind the line a lot. And if not for Bam Knight, we're taking negative plays on a lot of those. You saw it against Buffalo too. I think mm-hmm. almost every run run to the left just yeah. squashed two, three yards right. behind the line of scrimmage, right? And, mm-hmm. and you can't have that when you're paying 25 mil on that side of the line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. You um, know, it's, it, it's funny, Slis, because I was looking at the, um, I forget which hit it was the one that he got. Let's say he got. I don't remember if it was the first hit or second hit that he hit Elijah Moore, um, White did. And it would have been the first one. It would have been the first one, right? And I'm watching that, and I'm like, he got hit on that play, but he also could have gotten the ball out a little bit earlier because he didn't wait until Moore was out of his break to throw that. To throw that, And I'm like, 
that that's what I mean. Like throw with a little bit more anticipation. And listen, it's not a matter of white needs to be the perfect quarterback. It's a matter of if we're evaluating him, these are the things that we need to see from him. If he's going to be the guy and, and people just want to look at the results and they want to look at the yards and say to themselves, all right, well, well, he's throwing for 300 yards a game. Now that means he's good. He's a good quarterback. That's not really the case. That means he's putting the ball in playmakers hands and they're making plays for him. Right. So I mean, it's we spent 40 minutes on Mike White, which I think is that's what the people want to talk about, right? First rule, mass mass media is give the people what they want. I just think um, it's so much has happened with White now, and this thing, this whole thing, has again taken on a life of its own. And we'll see where it goes from here. It's just a matter we, of we have, can he? We have four more games, right? right? We have four more games to get a good. We'll get a good sample, right? Right. We will get a really good sample here, right? So. Is what it is. Is what it is. Injury, Sliz. Injury watch. Brutal, dude. Like, the, I, I'm putting... I, I talked about not putting guys on blast. I'm putting bot lane on blast. 1-800-BOT-LANE. Before oh. the game in the analytics ch- channel at, at about 11 a.m. Eastern. Post the graphic of... That, that we're usually usually we're at the top of the past two three years we've been at the top of the the war loss to injuries right wins above replacement mm-hmm. based on the injuries you had right. and and we're in like the bottom third on this chart right this dude drops it 11 a.m on a game day like you're tempting fate there brother and of course <laughs> it shows up in spades where Corey davis goes out <laughs> concussion George Fant goes down for a couple plays. Mike White gets absolutely obliterated, and and who knows what type of internal whatever he's got going on. Mm. And and to top it all off, you get Quinn in, right? And, and right. thankfully the D line still held held stiff. But it's like, dude, we we need if we want if we have a chance in these past, we need Quinn in. Like this dude has been an absolute monster. So. Mm. Yeah, injuries don't help, and and especially Corey Davis, man. And I, I think we've seen so blatantly how different this wide receiver room becomes when Corey Davis is in there. Yes, he he, is, he makes plays every single game. I know he's been one of. I, I guess Barrios probably took his torch as the the easiest guy to hate on offense, but like Corey Davis got so much hate and and every time he's in there man whether it's in the run game blocking or or just these clutch plays and he's not going to be the guy that's that's breaking breaking open five year you know 20 yards downfield with five yards of separation he's not going to be that guy but he comes up and makes big catches and big spots every right. single time he's out there yes, including the one he got injured on right mm-hmm. yeah it sucks that it's such a weird situation he takes a, a knee to the back of the helmet yeah like that just sucks, man. That's not even one. Well, and with current that. protocols, right? They're gonna take him out for the game right. instantly, which which you want. But it's like right. the second that happens, like he's out, he's done. Right. right. And the Elijah Moore breakout continues. So six six receptions for sixty yards. I I, I want to make a point on that. So, like, you know, we've been we've been joking about it. Like everyone was like, oh, Elijah break more breakouts here, and then he was like, like the the two games before this were 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 nothing, right? But. Mm-hmm. People have been talking so much. We need to give those reps that Barrios is getting to Elijah Moore. And it's like, one, they do they do very different things. And and Barrios is good at those plays, and he has been good at those plays. But also, we are doing it. We are giving some of those reps to Elijah Moore. We're giving him. We've given him two sweep plays. I think the past two weeks, like on on kind of 
condensed formation, skinny sweeps, and, and they've both been productive. We're doing it, people. Let it let it mature. Let it happen, right? Elijah Moore took himself out of the out of the equation for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. He's got to work his way back in. <laughs> right. All right. So this, I think that about wraps it up for the runway rundown. Uh, let's move on. This week's Top Gun. Somebody that we've been kind of clamoring to see this whole season, Sliz, and finally he's he's here. He's arrived. Uh, what's the Kim Kardashian tweet? He's here and he's perfect. Don't ask me how I know that. Uh, but go ahead, Sliz. You, you hey, pick pro- this week's Top Gun. I'm gonna crown him. I'm gonna crown him, and hopefully not not cold takes or old takes exposed right here. Your Pepsi defensive or not defensive, just rookie of the week. Your Pe- Pepsi rookie of the week, Bam Knight. Nice. After, after his performance this week, and man, he he's done it at every game he's been in. This dude takes three-yard plays, turns them into five yards. He takes five-yard plays, turns them into eight yards. That touchdown run was was well blocked. And shout out Connor McGovern. He's been playing very well, especially in the run game here lately. But Bam Bam Knight's running through tackles, man. He's showing that vertical speed. Like uh, another another win for the RBs don't matter movement, baby. Like Bam Knight is just showing up. He he's making it work, man, and and it does get you excited, right? Next year, and and you know, I I, I joke a little bit, but like getting Brees back in the fold, you you anticipate, hey, we're gonna run the pony package with these two guys, and Bam's got a little bit more, he's got a little more juice and a little bit more size than Michael Carter, right? You right. anticipate that next year. You anticipate, hey, we can. That's something we can implement at the goal line. That's something we can implement in open space. You can run a wheel route off of it, like we, like you mm-hmm. can build things off of that. And like, and and Bam Knight can kick return too if we need, right? If and I'm not saying cut Barrios, but if we start moving pieces around, he he can fill multiple roles. So like the he he's been playing awesome good example of why rbs don't matter although i will say and i and i have always said rbs do matter on the margins and you you certainly think if we would have had the confidence in bam last week like we did this week we probably try to run it in a little bit more at the goal line but yeah. or if you had Brees in there right or even michael carter we probably had the, the the confidence to try to run it in one or two more times i know i know michael carter is we 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 love michael carter because of what he brings to the offense He's he not healthy, man. He's not healthy. He hasn't been that guy this year. And I know nah. he's dealing with the ankle. Um, but even at the beginning of the year, and I understand that the run blocking was really bad at the beginning of the year, it's still not great. And he's a guy that, yes, he can get through tackles, but if you're getting hit in the backfield, it's not doing it. It's not doing you much. But even so, when he has the opportunity to get the he just hasn't he hasn't looked right. Like he hasn't looked like his his rookie yourself. And it's a little bit concerning, to be honest, because you can see what he does. He's a great change of pace back. And, you know, especially end of game where you need to break a tackle and, you know, pick up a few extra yards. If you can get him out on the on a swing pass, you know, he's going to get you 10 yards. He's going to get you 10 yards when you might be getting five from someone else. So, but he, he just hasn't looked like himself this year. It's very strange to watch. All right, so let's move on. Uh, unfortunately, no around the league in roughly 60 seconds because I was dealing with a terrible stomach thing on Sunday that actually prevented me from working. And I watched very minimal football outside of the Jets, which made me sick. So there's that. But we can move on to this week's Geek of the Week. Sliz, there's, you have two here. I, I see you selected them again. Um, one is a recurring 
recurring contestant on the Geek of the Week, and another is maybe a newer entrant. But who do you have this yeah, week? Yeah, I'll, I'll go and and maybe I don't know. I'll probably get pushback, but uh, I'll, I'll preface this was one of his better games. But man, CJ Mosley on that fourth and one, channeling his inner Troy Polamalu, just <laughs> like. You're you're the veteran on the defense. You cannot can't bite on that. You cannot bite on that. Yeah. You you cannot but and like if they snapped it, it would have been a sick play, but it's like you can't even take that risk, man. Mm-hmm. So the second that the second that Josh Allen was doing his all right, what are we doing? Like th- I knew it was coming. I knew it was yep. coming. And like but to your points, Liz, that that changes a lot. <laughs> that changes a lot. So it's not what you want to see. And yeah, mostly he's been, you know, I'll even go stretch to say he's been better as of late. He's still not great, but you know, he's not a total liability, I guess. But all right, we move on. Who's your other pick for this week's geek of the week? Yeah, I already already said it, but man, Denzel Mims. And I know there there's still a corner of Jets fandom that wants to see Mims over Corey, which I, I don't know what you're watching. I know there's a I like the fan in me, the Jets fan wants Mims to be good. Like if Mims was good, that opens up a lot for us. But it's Absolutely. like this dude, every single time he goes up for a pass, man, it, it's like watching Stephen Hill all over again, right? He yeah. refuses to catch the ball with his hands. And there's so many opportunities for him to do it. And we've seen so many missed opportunities because he refuses to do it. He's had multiple drop passes because he won't catch with his hands and it's fresh or, or additional yak opportunities. Right. Cause mm-hmm. he just lets it get in. And then at that point he, he's on top of himself and he right. uh, catch with your hands, dude, catch with yeah. your hands. It's, it's bizarre, you know, and no, I just want to go on record and saying no, Denzel Mims should absolutely not get Corey Davis snaps like period. That's not even, it's not even a discussion. It's not a conversation. And so as you'll remember, I was number one Corey Davis hater coming into the season. You were. And he's and he's shut me. Listen, I'm glad he shut me up, right? But I, I just it's a matter of okay, you see what Corey Davis does when he's on the field. So many clutch plays this season. So many. A big, big third down grabs. He's he's been a security blanket for both Zach and Mike White. It's apparent they trust him to make those elevator catches where he's gotta he's gotta go up the ladder and make make those tough catches in traffic. He's done it. So no, th- those are all things that Mims does not do for this team that Davis does. So, no, he should not get Corey Davis a snap share. And, hey, hey, I want to shout to Corey being out. Re- that affects your 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 red zone package too, right? Yep. Like big time. Yep. He He's yep. probably number one guy we're looking at in the red zone, mm-hmm. even, even more so than Garrett. So. Yeah. Brutal. All right, so let's, let's move on to the flight plan. Let's take a look at week 15 versus the Lions. I want to say, number one, Dan Campbell, people people forget. I know that he got memed on a lot for the things that he says, Wordsmith, biting kneecaps, polishing turrets, all that stuff. That's fine. I will say, though, when Dan Campbell was interim head coach in Miami, I forget what year that was. He was very young on that coaching staff. People knew then that he was going to be a head coach one day. He has the stint with New Orleans, and he learns presumably a lot from Sean Payton. And now Dan Campbell is getting the opportunity to kind of turn Detroit around. And Detroit's red hot right now, man. They're, they've responded to him. I know that they were a fun meme team early in the season, 5-1 and one in their last six. They get Jamison Williams back. Uh, Jared Goff is still he, – he's still Jared Goof for the most part, but that offense moves the ball, period. So 
what's what are some of the keys for this game, Sliz? Because I don't think that's why I said before. I don't think the Jets win another game the rest of the season. To be honest, I just I don't. Um, what are some of the keys that they can uh, the Jets can prove me wrong and pick up a win this weekend? Well, so I, I want to kind of build off what you're saying, and and it's important to understand how teams evolve throughout it, the year, right, and why they evolve throughout the year. You see that I think you saw that with the Chargers over the weekend, where the Chargers go from losing to the Raiders one week to absolutely dominating the the Dolphins, right? Mm-hmm. And and it's like, okay, how how why did that happen, right? It's not like sometimes you just get a bad game, but like a switch doesn't just flip that drastically week to week generally. Right. And you look at a lot of, you look at injuries, you look at schematically what they've changed, maybe play like Detroit has changed their defensive play caller. They fired their defensive coordinator since the beginning of the year and they, they're, they're still not good, but they've gone from generationally bad to just like normal, not bad, like not good, right. Or bad. And, and, that they're focusing a lot on just in general trenches on both sides are going to be the battleground, right? Their defensive line has some players, including uh, Aiden Hutchinson. Their offensive line is, is one of the best in football, right? It's right up there with the Eagles in, in my mind, one of the best in football. And that's where we need a Quinn and Williams to be healthy, to really help, help offset that. Um, I think high level you're looking why what why had the Lions gone on this five and one? I, I talked about their defense, but on offense, they've gotten healthy. They got Amon Ross St. Brown back. They got DJ Chark back. They have Jameson Williams added to the fold now. DeAndre Swift's I I still don't think he's totally healthy, but he's getting touches again. They've introduced Ju- Justin Jackson a little bit more in the running back room to get another change of pace type guy who scored this past weekend. Jamal Williams has been kind of a, a ball toter for him all year. And Jared Goff is just executing, right? He's executing and they're a dome team. They've played a lot of games here recently in nice weather and in dome. So you hope that weather, if we have weather, which it seems we have every Sunday, you hope that helps offset some of that explosiveness on offense. Um, they haven't played a defense quite like us in a long while. Um, I know Nania had a stat that they're own four against top, I think top seven scoring defenses, which, which brings the Eagles into play. So it's like, Hey, we, we should be able to hold our own there. But like, if this is a ground and pound game and, and we've seen a, our team get exposed on the ground a lot, like, man, I, it doesn't, there, there's certain game scripts where this can go awry for us real quick. Um, of course, the big question is just who on our side is healthy. Like if we have Corey back from concussion, if Mike White is mostly good health wise, if, if he's not too limited and if Quinn and Williams is back, then yeah, we're probably in a good spot. Um, if you start, you know, you take a little bit off of Mike White, maybe some of that juice isn't there. If Corey Davis is out again, if Quinn, especially if Quinnen's out, it's like, man, yep. This really shapes up like one where we could we could get we could have a disappointment. <laughs> um, I think on offense we need to air it out, right? Have to. Have like to. that secondary is suspect, and and you know we we have not shied away from feeding Garrett. It's like man, you got continue, <laughs> you gotta you gotta feed the beast, and Garrett Garrett Wilson is an absolute beast. He he 
get separation. He he turns guys around. He makes plays after after the catch with the ball in his hands. We need to get him going. We need to figure out what we're doing with the tight ends in general. And I think we've seen the most creative play calls we've had over the past couple of weeks have been to the tight ends. But then there's also been, I think, a lot to be a lot left to be desired with some of that usage of the tight ends. Get those guys involved on the inside matchups and and two, like get Elijah Moore involved somehow. And I know we've kind of, we've been pretty critical of Elijah Moore, but we do have to, you, you need to, especially if Corey's out and, and Garrett's drawing all that attention, you got to set up. I, I would love a shot play somewhere. And, and we kind of had one to Conklin in the scene that Joe Flacco totally missed, right? <laughs> Against Buffalo. But it's like, man, we, we need to get something vertical working in our favor. We, we can't just win middle of the field within 10 to 15 yards and, and um, shorter than 10 yards and check downs and, and screens and, and slants, right? You you right. got to take a shot at some point. Right. One one quick correction for you, Sliz, because I, f- I feel like um, we need to give this guy's proper respect. Aaron Glenn was hired as the team's defensive coordinator, former Jet great Aaron Glenn. He's still their defensive coordinator. It was Aubrey Pleasant, their DB's coach, who got fired. That's what it is. Season. Right. I knew someone and got fired. <laughs> somebody got canned. They deserved it too, because the, the Lions were atrocious. And they've been yeah. their defense has been better, better ish since then. I mean, still not good, but um Aaron Glenn visiting. And and I was just actually just looking up Aaron Glenn, which is funny. This is a non sequitur, but so Aaron Glenn spent one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years with the Jets. Maybe I'm miscounting eight or nine years with the Jets. Nine ninety four to two thousand one. So eight eight seasons. He spent four seasons with the Texans. He spent two seasons with the Cowboys, a season with Jacksonville, and then a season with New Orleans before retiring. This guy signed a one a, a one day contract to retire as a Texan. <laughs> Talk about man, disrespect, that's, that's some bulletin board material. <laughs> Unbelievable. I, I was just like, and I remember Aaron Glenn from when I was a kid, really good defensive back. He was he very good for the Jets. Were, were, were they, was that like their expansion years? Like that, like they couldn't have been that old of a franchise. 2002 to 2004, he was with the Texans. So those were, those were the expansion years. Yeah, man. Wild. He just wanted to be the first, first guy to retire as a Texan or something. Right. That's, that's, that's ridiculous, man. I'm sorry. That's just disrespect. Unbelievable. Now I hope we put 50 on their asses, man. Unbelievable. But <laughs> hey, yeah, something I, something I want to tee up too, right? Like yeah. we have four games left. These are all teams and, and, and you're, you're on the, the extreme end the, uh, of Not another four, game. but, but these Not are all teams game. that we can lose to like Jacksonville's look good here as of late. Seahawks have overperformed all year. Miami, I know that they're not looking too good, but man, like they they've had a lot of good games over the past couple of weeks. I I think as long as they're healthy, they'll get it sorted, and that'll be a tough tough game week eighteen right at Miami, probably with a lot of implications on it. But we, I said from the beginning of the year, right, you can't just pencil in W's on these 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 teams here because they're they're similar spot to us right you can't just pencil w's in against these teams and i I think we're gonna get every everything we can handle the next couple weeks certainly you hope the 
games outside of our control break a lot better than they did this week where and I think on our rooting guide we we went 0 for 5 in terms of teams we wanted to win all lost and and really negatively impacted our playoff position. Right. Um right now we're on the outside looking in and and we can we can affect that. The biggest game left on the schedule is at at Miami and um I don't feel confident about taking the Chargers spot. They have a about as easy as it gets in terms of finishing schedule the last four weeks. I, I think they they're probably going to finish ahead of us. We're, we're battling with new England and Miami more than likely. And new England has the tiebreaker over us. And if we, if we lose to Miami, it's probably another one of those years where we come up just short. So let's, let's hope the boys get together and rally circle week 18, cancel all your plans. That's a big one. Um, but yeah, we, I, I mean, it starts this week. If, if we drop this week, then you, you pretty much need to sweep the rest of the way to even have a chance. Oh, and forceless. Oh, and four. All oh, right. Four. All right. Oh, four. I, I think, I think we go two and two. I think we split these. Or I think we, I think we win two out of the next three and drop Miami is what I thought. Something just feels off about this game versus Detroit. We're, maybe we're, because, uh, we're maybe underdogs it's... at home right now, man. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't feel weird to you? It does. Vegas doesn't but, like Mike White very much, is what that tells me. Yeah. So I don't they, know, man. They made Detroit they made Detroit underdog or favorites over the Vikings and they, they smacked them. Mm-hmm. So I'm a nervous. Vegas, Vegas likes what the Lions are cooking. Yep. I don't blame them. They play hard. They play for their coach. They put up points like yeah. Our, our our defense our defense will keep us in all these games as they have all year. It, we need to make enough plays on offense and, and something we didn't touch on, man. Like we we've gone a couple games now without a defensive turnover, and and that's not really on the defense, right? That you you take the opportunities you get, or or you try to make those opportunities. But man, a, a defensive turnover would really help us in these next couple right. games. So, yeah. Jared Goff will give you opportunities, man. He really, yeah, he really will. will. He, he's got uh, – I was looking at some of his numbers before. Turnover-worthy plays this year. His turnover-worthy play percentage this year is 4.2. So, yikes. He's he's going to give you the opportunities. So, you just hope that they take advantage of it. That, that's all you can ask for. I don't know. I don't feel good about it. I don't feel good about it, but we'll see. All right, so let's, let's bring it in for a landing. This is the landing strip. Uh, what's on your mind? It's been We've been two weeks away. You know, we haven't been able to shoot around a little bit. What's what's going on? Yeah, man. So I'm actually going to stay in the football realm for a second. I saw this tweet today. I think it was it was for someone in the Ohio State sphere. But they were talking NIL. I actually posted it to the scouting channel where uh, Ohio State missed out on a five star recruit because they could not pay him half of what he was looking for. They and they they didn't get him over seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, right? Okay. And then the the follow up nugget, uh, Georgia offered the kid one point eight million to sign and eight hundred k a season. <laughs> it it's kind of like I I'm not gonna say any like good for good for the players getting their money. A lot of these guys won't make it even close to the next level or even if they do they they're not going to last very long so like do get get your bag while you can i think quinn ears last year mm-hmm. made a million to be a backup 
and then left the next year in the transfer portal, right? Like, <laughs> I'm not going to blame these dudes for taking the money these schools are throwing at them, but, man, it's just such a weird dynamic. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just my boomer mindset. It's just so weird to think about, especially, like, like in professional sports leagues, you're managed by a salary cap. You have rules around contracts. and all, Like, this is just the Wild West, man. Like, yeah. boosters are just throwing mo- stacks of money everywhere. Yeah. It's, the, it's thing weird. That's, the thing that's weird about NIL and all this stuff right now is you look at the percentage of players who enter the transfer portal now. And it's funny because it's sporting news and we're talking about this. Like, it's not just the transfer portal. It's essentially free agency. Right. Yeah. And I know that the number now is the actual number of players who find a new home is like 32%. It's like way, way down from a couple of years ago. But seeing how, how willy nilly everybody is about just wanting to jump ship and head to other schools, it's, it's very weird to me. I didn't. I always knew in my heart of hearts, it's a good thing to pay college players, at least something that said it's, it's very bizarre to me that it's essentially you've really removed all the amateurism out of it. And, and to your point, it's football's a brutal sport, right? One ACL injury changes everything that'll drop you from the first round to the third round, you know, injury questions will always like, that'll kill you. But it's just like to your point, it's just it's a very bizarre thing. It's a very bizarre thing. And it's crazy too, like, cause a lot of I think the good in the transfer portal, right, is if you're on a roster and you get you end up getting buried behind someone and you're not playing, right? You want right. the opportunity to be able to go somewhere else and play. But like mm-hmm. a lot of these like a lot of these dudes are playing and they're just like just I, grass is greener and so i don't know so, like i get it if your coach leaves and you want you know okay what i came here for is now gone yeah. i want to find a better opportunity but like some of these dudes like they're cast off they go somewhere else oh i don't really like it here i need to find somewhere i like it a little better it, it's it's just a little weird man the, yeah. the whole thing i'm, I'm just it, it feels like it needs some structure at some point and i'm sure it'll come but yeah, it's it's interesting to watch for the time being. Yeah, very strange stuff. But, tell tell me about winter lights. Yeah, man. So we went and saw one one of the um, art places. I know that's not even close to the right term for it, but you know, they call I guess those it's museums. A museum. Yeah, they well, call them museums. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is a museum. I don't know. They they go by something different that that's escaping me. But they they do this whole out, outdoor outdoor exhibit where where they set up all sorts of winter lights. You can tour through a home where they have all the all this Christmas set up, and and it's it's really cool. Took went with my family. My my parents came into town. Took the daughter. Absolutely loved it. Right, she's in this phase where she's saying a lot of whoa, wow, like a lot of that mm-hmm. type of stuff, and it it's mad. It makes this time of year so much more magical. So just yeah. absolutely phenomenal. Made some s'mores while we we're nice. out there. Got some some bourbon spike cider. Like oh okay to, for the kids to, for the kid or for you for for me of course. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a I don't know. Sometimes it, it's just good to get out and do that stuff. And man, like we you, you talk stomach bug. We're dealing with that and all sorts of post Thanksgiving daycare flus and all that. And mm. finally got healthy. It's like, Hey, let's get out, do something. It, it's nice to get out, especially this time of year when the weather's get generally it. crappy. If you get a good enough night, like get out, get out, get some air, get off Twitter. Right. Ignore Getting the healthy takes. at the right time. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Favorite. Yeah. And then 
kind of falling with that sticking on the Christmas theme, right? We baked all sorts of cookies this past weekend. We had some, some lemon tea cookies. We had some peppermint chocolate crinkles. One of my wife's specialties, an M&M cookie. Like what, what, what's, what's your go-to cookie? You a chocolate, you a peanut butter, oatmeal, chocolate chip, snickerdoodle. Where you, where you at on the cookie? So, so my, my cookie takes have gotten me in a lot of trouble before. <laughs> Actually, very, I, I I put this on here totally forgetting what your cookie stance is, but now it's all coming to me. I'm I'm a huge oatmeal raisin guy, huge oatmeal raisin guy. Uh, I I'm not I'm not big in the chocolate chip. I enjoy a chocolate chip cookie. It's it's not my favorite. I wouldn't put it on my Mount Rushmore of cookies to be honest with you. Emily makes a wonderful crinkle. Uh, the chocolate crinkle cookie. Like I, I didn't even know it's like she made a batch last week and I housed the entire thing. Uh, so there was that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm a big, big oatmeal raisin guy. Really? Uh, I love oatmeal. I love raisins. I love oatmeal raisin. I don't know. It's hard. The, the standard for a chocolate, like a good chocolate chip cookie, I feel like is, is very wishy-washy. I feel like the bar for a good oatmeal raisin cookie is always like right there, but chocolate chip cookies, man, it's like, it's tough. It's like, I don't like them too crispy. I don't like them too thin. You know, like I'm very particular with how I like it. It I'm very particular. So like my, my, I'll say my safe go-to. So I'm kind of on the same, I don't know. We're going to get blackballed as a podcast, but having two guys that like oatmeal raisin. So oatmeal raisin and snickerdoodle are are usually two of my like safe go-tos. And I think it's because the consistency of -hmm. them is very consistent. Like you said, cookie to cookie and, and oatmeal raisin is like one of those long lost loves I kind of had where I'd always like, it was always part of my, not that I eat cookies all the time, but it's like, oh yeah, I'll eat an oatmeal raisin cookie. But my wife, she had been allergic to oats, right? Hmm. And then at post-pregnancy, like, hey, she's eating oats all the time now. And so we, we, we we were able to get oatmeal raisin back into the rotation beyond just something that I'd have to get on my own. It's like, oh man, these are pretty good, man. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a big oatmeal raisin guy. Love oatmeal raisin. So I got a few, I got a few things here. Um, number one, avoid the stomach virus at all costs, whatever you can do. There's nothing more unpleasant. I would rather be sick for a week than have a stomach virus for a day, to be honest. It's just, it's, it's a miserable experience and I'm still getting over mine from, from Sunday. But like I said, I'm, I'm feeling much better. Thank you for all the well wishes. You know, none of you have wished me well, but it is what it is. Um, and, and since it is the holiday time of year, Sliz, how do you feel about eggnog? Because I am an eggnog guy. I'm an eggnog guy. I love me some eggnog. Eh, I, I mean, I don't. Wow. I, I, I'm I'm indifferent about it. Like, I don't mm. have a formed opinion on eggnog. Like, mm. I'm not going to go out of my way to ever get it. I'll drink it if you offer it to me, especially mm-hmm. if you put a little something in it. So I'm, I'm right. indifferent. I'm indifferent. And uh, am I allowed to am I allowed to do that? Uh, I know the internet, the internet makes you take a binary stance, either you're for it or against it. And if you're against it, you're like, like I said, man, we're never going to be a successful podcast because we're just, these takes are so lukewarm. It's like, why do people even listen? Why do people even listen? Right. But no, that's fair. Listen, I, I, Turkey Hill eggnog is delicious. Southern comfort eggnog is pretty good. It's a little more on the cinnamon side. I'm not really crazy about that. If you're into the alcoholic eggnogs, Evan Williams makes a really good alcoholic eggnog. It's a good stuff. And there was another one. I think it was Pennsylvania Dutch actually makes an eggnog that's really good too. So, 
I don't know. I, I actually, my eggnog intake is very, very, I haven't had any this year and I barely had any last year. So I might have to correct that, but the you're, danger you're is, due, man. The, the, the danger is you have one sip and you, then I just can't stop. Right. And before you know it, I'm just swimming in a pool of eggnog and it's just, yeah. it's dangerous. So well, say, save it for uh Sunday around 4 30 PM and this upcoming Thursday going into going into the, the Christmas weekend there. Yeah. You might need an extra. Yeah, I might. <laughs> Eggnog and crinkle cookies, man. The 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 Mike White and Garrett Wilson of the, the holiday season. I yeah, guess. That's a good combo. <laughs> yeah. Which like which could mean different things depending on your your opinion of eggnog, I guess, right? Good thing we don't have video on this podcast, man. <laughs> I mean we have video, but good thing people can't see how disgusted I am by this entire situation. Anyway. So that'll do it for this episode of Jet Fuel, the Jets Discord podcast. Obviously, you already found us, but you can continue to find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. We would greatly appreciate if you'd leave a five-star review. Thank you. You can find us on Twitter at Jet Fuel Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Rivera SN. Sliz, where can the people find you on Twitter? At Sliz underscore NYJ. You can always send us an email at jetfueldiscordpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, join the Discord. I'd like to point out I started paying for Discord uh, Nitro again. Ooh. And I, I still don't know why they charge me, but it is what it is. Uh, Sliz, how can the people join the Discord? At discord.gg slash nyjets. Come, come finish the season out strong with us, boys. And and takes off, takes of all variety. Yeah, there, there there's been some there's been some good breakdown, especially you know looking at Mike White, looking at a bunch of these plays, and and looking beyond the surface of hey, stat sheet looks good. Some of these throws were nice. Some of the throws weren't good, right? But mm. but trying to contextualize a lot of it, and and yeah, come finish strong, and we'll be here all off season, man. Off yeah. off season is where Jets Discord shines, and and we're we're generally we. You you put the pitchforks down, you unite a little bit, and then we're all we're all in lockstep trying to find the best path to improve our team. So I mean, you know, good thing we we had a whole off season of not having to worry about Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, and now yeah, we're just man. gonna be worrying about Mike White versus Zach Wilson. That's right? a good point. I mean... Maybe <laughs> maybe don't come around for the off season. <laughs> maybe maybe I'll hey too too doomer of us maybe off season's not not coming after four games right <laughs> wait, wait let's make let's make the playoffs baby we haven't That's... made i think we still have the longest draft or drought in the nfl like, let's make the playoffs let's let's roll man nothing hoping else just to get off just to fall off the graphic if nothing else hoping for the best preparing for the worst so we'll see how it works out but until next week for matt slard i am joe rivera reminding you you can't take flight without jet fuel